You're listening to part two of edition number 64 of the Pints and Politics program, our panel discussion on Peterborough's opioid crisis. This was recorded at Trent Radio on July 18th, 2019. To listen to this discussion with full context, please listen to part one first. My name is Bill Templeman. And we're back. We'd like to focus a bit on what people are experiencing and and what works and how is it that some people manage to get off these substances? Uh, um, Bill, thanks for asking me to take part in this panel. Thanks for everyone for being here. Sure. I appreciate you coming out. Um, the uh, opiate summit that the uh, city put together was a... Uh, uh, f- first step in bringing awareness of this, uh, you know, it's not a moral deficiency. It's a, it's a, it's a disease, right? And uh, it's uh, getting rid of the stigma. You know, um, my name's Andrew. I like to remain anonymous for uh, r- reasons uh, you'll find out probably. But um, you know, when I was out there uh, using, uh, I couldn't stop, and I wanted to stop, and I just couldn't stop, and. Um, it was it was devastating it was it was killing me and i knew it was killing me but i just couldn't stop um other people can stop if something big happens in their life i went through a severe car accident and i was introduced to a uh an iv drip of morphine in uh, 95 and that's when i was introduced to opiates Mm -hmm. right and uh, i thought wow this is really good this feels good you know, there might be a thousand people that go to the hospital and, and, and experience the same thing as I do, but only 50 of them become addicted. Right. But why aren't the other 950 become addicted? There's a, there's a reason for that, because I'm wired differently than yeah. other people, right? And for me to use, is, I feel normal. I, I, I finally feel normal, me using. Me not using is not normal, and I've been clean for uh, five years now, over five years, one day at a time. Well. Prior to getting clean, I didn't trust anybody that uh, was in politics. I didn't trust the police. I didn't trust the health unit. I didn't trust sure. anybody. I couldn't even trust myself, right? I was doing making decisions that uh, was, was harming people as well as myself. So what happened was, um, I was I went on the methadone maintenance, talked about harm reduction. Um, you know, it's part of my story, and it works. And what happened was... Uh, it took 14 months to wean off the uh, the methadone, and um, the day that I handed in the last of my carries, I was down to one mil, and I handed six carries in, and they said, stop, he doesn't need any more, because uh, they knew I hadn't uh, drank those uh, six uh, bottles that week. F- four hours later, I'm sitting at home, and I want to get loaded. I, I just want to get higher than a kite, and I'm going. What's wrong with my thinking, right? And that's when I, that's when I had a moment of clarity, because I spent 14 months coming off of this stuff, and I, and I just, I'm like, what's wrong with my thinking? Why am I wanting to go get loaded? I just, all the effort I put into coming off of this, and, and I want to throw it away now, and I couldn't understand why I was thinking like that. So I went and sought a solution. I went back down to the methadone clinic and asked the doctor, uh, why am I thinking like this? And he wanted to write me a prescription. And I said, no, 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 I don't want a prescription. I said, I want to know why I'm thinking like this. So he directed me over to Forecast. Uh, and um, Forecast uh, helped me out uh, before, and they helped me out today. I, I, I go to Forecast regularly. Yeah, Forecast is a counseling agency. Yeah, and here in Peterborough. Yeah. Um, the thing was, it was Remembrance Day, right? Uh, 2013. And I went to that door around, I don't know, 1.30 in the afternoon, and I grabbed the door, and I looked at it, and I said... 
boy, the last time I used this place was to get a lighter sentence, <laughs> you know, uh, ten, eight years prior to that, right, for uh, an offense. I figure, you know, if I go to forecast, I could get a lighter sentence if they gave me a letter because I'm an addict. I manipulate things, right? So anyways, the door was locked. The door was locked, and I'm like, oh, now what do I do? Now what do I do? So I went to the first uh, methadone clinic that I'd signed up to six years prior to that, and uh, I thanked all the nurses and the people in there, and I, I told them the situation I was in. And they came out and said to me, you know, there's a uh, 12-step meeting tonight um, called Narcotics Anonymous at uh, Murray Street Church at 7 o'clock. And I thought, well, what's that? I've heard of Alcoholics Anonymous. What's that? And they said, it's a fellowship of uh, men and women who help each other stay clean, right? And I... And that gave me that bit of hope, right, from 3 o'clock to that 7 o'clock, and I hung on. I, you know, but I was willing to change. I needed to be willing to change, right? Without that willingness, I was probably going to fall back into the trap. So I went to this fellowship, which is not attached to any organization, no sure. political things. Not, it's not affiliated with the police. It's, uh, you know, it's just addicts helping addicts, and we're self-supporting, and we don't get outside contributions from nobody, which is a beautiful thing. I went there. All I heard was keep coming back and uh, try to get through one day at a time, right? That's all I remember my first day. And over six, it took six months for me to stop using other substances. But eventually, I stopped using, and I used the facilities here that are offered in Peterborough. And, uh, you know, I, I'd like to apologize personally to the Peterborough police for the uh, chaos that I, uh, <laughs> that I caused in my life. You know, I'm trying to change my ways, and, um, you know... I, I'm going to continue to try and change my ways, and uh, I appreciate all the help that you guys do. Thanks. Oh, thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. And that's our, part of us. We're supposed to protect everybody, right? That's yeah. our job is to protect. Yeah. So that, that includes people that are most vulnerable. Sure. It's really important, right? Sure. So, Alex? Yeah, just to add, like, the 12-step the piece of this is the, definitely the way to sustain maybe a different lifestyle and it works on the inner that trauma um yep. what's going on within the person and you know i was working at this crazy i was working this crazy job in toronto and i was driving with this cabbie and we were cutting cutting back in rush hour traffic and uh and it was so frustrating it was so frustrating and i look at the cabbie and i'm like i'm like doesn't this frustrate you and he looks back at me and he goes brother he goes if everything is good on the inside everything is good on the outside Right. right? Yeah. So this this twelve step life that Andrew yeah. and I, how Andrew and I know each other, right. this is like this is work us working on that inner by people who understand it, you know. One thing that came out of last Thursday at Market Hall is that certainly I learned that addiction is not an isolated problem. It's, it's really a systemic problem, that it's linked also to poverty, to mental health, education, lack of housing, unemployment, even community and family cohesion. So given that, what are the next steps that we as a community have to take in order to, to address this situation? I mean, who has to do what? If you could wave a magic wand and implement three action steps, what would those three action steps be? 
So I think we, uh, this is Kemi again, I think we all have a part to play. Uh, certainly myself as a politician, I've got my own role. And Dr. Salvatera was at a council meeting recently and she talked about stigma um, and how uh, stigma is a huge contributing factor to, to this crisis and how us as politicians can do our part to address that stigma and to to prevent it from con- continuing to spread. Uh, another thing that we can do is work with the provincial government. I'm really glad to hear that our MPP, Dave Smith, is looking yes. to get a, is it a detox center or rehab? CTS. Uh, okay, a consumption and treatment site in Peterborough. So um, if you see the the document that people are going around uh, signing, definitely sign that. And then also for my part, uh, one of my portfolios is uh, around youth. So uh, talking about prevention, getting that education out to them early on so that uh, youth are aware about um, consequences, I, I guess. But also, like if you are addicted or you start to use, knowing what resources are available to you. So those are three things that I, I can think of. There's There's a lot more, but I'll pass the mic. Okay. Alex. Um, I think people can definitely try like I try to have understanding and not be judgmental and put yourself in that person who's struggling shoes, whether that's a guy on the street who's shot out or whether that's like a kid in my kid's kindergarten class who's acting out. Um, just to try to understand and and put yourself in their shoes and see what you can do to help. Um, I think the two biggest things that we need in Peterborough, again, this is only looking at what other places have right. close by, is that we need a detox to detox men and women off of these poison drugs that they're physically dependent on. We need a detox. And and we also need sober living. Like housing is such a huge issue issue in Peterborough. Yes. We do not have any sober living. I, I, had, I lived in sober living. And... Um, you know, there's in, pe- in Peterborough? No, in, in, in the United States. Right. And um, so there's people that are actually making these changes that Andrew touched upon, and they're having to go into really sort of problematic living situations where they're encountering violence and drug use and drug dealing. And, and so this is not a supportive environment when, when you're talking with someone that needs to help, to have help. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Uh, three actions. Yeah, so I think you've hit on ones I like too, so I'll just add a couple <laughs> right. more. I mean, I'd like to see the uh, consumption and treatment site with the wraparound mm-hmm. services, obviously. Um, that's huge. That would address some stigma and other things. Now, Tim, do these exist in Ontario yet? Yes. yes. There are a few? Yes. Whereabouts? In Ottawa? Well, London, oh. Ottawa, Toronto oh, has several. So they're been around? To, yes. Okay. Yeah, and so that's, I mean, that's a, a huge piece for me. But for me, in enforcement, I'll stick to enforcement, is... I'd, I'd like to see our SUAP grant go through that we have with Health Canada. I'm putting pressure on the federal government here, but um, because we weren't able to find any provincial funding, right? and that's that's a huge issue, you have to look for other areas to do that. And one of the things that we never had when I was on the road is an ability, if there was an overdose or somebody had a person in their family, whether it's a husband, wife, child, that um, was uh, that had the addiction challenges, uh, we couldn't do anything. I go to my next call, I give them a 1-800 number, I give them forecast number, and forecast is incredible, but I felt that I couldn't do anything. And I just left. So now we're looking at trying to have a team, uh, an an outreach team that would come and follow up 
with that family. Um, and that might look like a paramedic um, right. that's assigned to that, not to answer calls, but to assigned to that with a mental health worker or addiction worker right. and that and have a coordinator. So we're working on this grant that would last two and a half years. It would be a million-dollar grant that would address some of those um, issues that we have with outreach worker and would work hand-in-hand hand with all our other partner, like PARNs, outreach workers, uh, right. and all other outreach workers um, that are involved. And yes, then for me... My understanding is with the... <laughs> Shrinkage and downloading of uh, of social services, community supports that police officers are now expected to wear many different hats for which they're they're not trained. Right, and and there's just uh, yeah, and some of the things we can't do, we just don't have the ability to do, it, and it's not our it's it's not our ability. Work. So a lot of communities just feel that they're on their own. So the other piece for me uh, before I forget is uh, diversion. I think right. that to really, um, if you look at uh, there's a movie that Dr. Salvatore and I got from one of the counselors, and I watched it the other. It's an hour long. Is Seattle dying? YouTube video. It's really good in regards to homelessness and the addiction issues, and then the homelessness brought on by addictions. And what a mess the Emerald City is in three years, and how um, people are calling it a crap show and think and, and wanting to leave. Tourism is affected and everything else. And when you look at this it, it's pretty Seattle scary. Yeah, dying. Seattle. So okay. what? Uh, so for me. The, the model that I, that I espouse is the diversion model, which we don't have yet, but with, we'll work with all our partners. And mm-hmm. the beauty of it is we have the Peterborough Drug Strategy. We also have the same team at the table for community and treatment services with city council. Everybody that needs to be there except for the Crown's office, who we'd need, and John Howard Society, E. Fry. Yeah. Um, but our partners to figure out a diversion program for Peterborough, um, cause it's not coming to us. We have the ability to do it. You don't have to change the criminal code. You don't have to talk about decrim. It's diversion is a part, por, portion of, of decrim, which would allow us to get people into deme, uh, treatment on demand. So if we had that with wraparound services, we could deal with a lot of these open air issues, not to arrest somebody and put them in the cells, but to apprehend similar to the Portugal model. Okay. And there's a dissuasion court which they where they meet them at where they're at, right? Right. Johnny, what what do you need? What do we need to do for you to to get you from this lifestyle? And tra- it might be different, um, something different for everybody, but we need th- that ability in Peterborough. Mm-hmm. I, that my, that's my dream before I retire to see those sure. things happen. Right, but it, uh, yeah, we just have to be able to do the diversion piece. So if there's a criminal offense or if there's open air uh, drug use, that we're able to do something on that. Similar, similar to Portugal. We just don't have that in Canada yet because we don't have all the services. And my understanding is the Portugal model is successful and it's being copied at least in Europe. But not over it, here. It, it is, and it, it's not that it's not that uh, drugs aren't still a criminal issue. They are. It's just a certain amount that's considered for trafficking. Then they deal with it uh, criminally. But in in Portugal, basically, it's an apprehension, and then the brought into treatment. We just don't have the the treatment yet um, that we need to be able to make it really robust. The the uh, model, and it's it's cheaper. It's, from a taxpayer perspective, it costs less to treat than to go the traditional incarceration route. Is that correct? Well, okay. Here's now the public okay. health doctor is yeah. going to talk. It actually costs. It's you save more money if you can prevent the problem in the first place. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And and so yes, diversion is going to send. It's going to save money because people are you're diverting them away from the criminal justice system. But let's let's back up. Let's start even uh, you know more mm-hmm. upstream than that. So if I had my three wishes and you were Please. the and you were the fair you know my fairy godmother, I would. Um, <laughs> 
I, I think we need a provincial strategy, a yeah. comprehensive provincial strategy that's led by a coordinator that you know addresses all four pillars, that works with local drug strategies, municipal drug strategies, that includes anti-stigma training, but it also researches and implements programs and interventions that we know are effective. And and as far as prevention goes, I think definitely we need better pain management in, in the province, mm-hmm. safer prescribing, more options for, for chronic pain so that people don't get don't don't get exposed to opioids in the first place. And we need to start with our kids. You know, we need to we need to raise more resilient kids. We have to prevent the trauma in the first place. And we need to work we have to support families and parents and communities to help kids grow up free from using substances because we know the earlier you start and the more frequent your use is, the greater your risk is to go on to develop an addiction later in life. And Iceland's been able to show that, you know, they've they've been able to get take kids who have been with 50% rates of binging on alcohol and in 20 years they've reduced that rate to down to 5%. Yeah. So, Dr. Salvatore, that's usually my final point, the youth resilience. We're both on the same yeah, bo- yeah, yeah. <laughs> page, and, and for me, it's right to JK. Sure. Starting in JK, the resilience program, to give kids yeah. those coping skills and the obstacles uh, that, they, that they're they going to come across for life. And, and and Andrew and Alex have talked about it in regards to, and so did Kemi, in regards to the early adverse childhood experiences. And some of it isn't necessarily trauma to us, but could be trauma to that person. Just in, And those compounding and not yeah. being dealt with. And I often use the 26 second trade workers, and, and Dr. Salvatore hears me say it all the time, because we did a project in Peterborough in 2007 when we went from five people on the street to 26 overnight because of OxyContin, and we interviewed all them opioids, all them sexually assaulted. So, introducing grooming behavior, and, right. and those those pieces at the earliest, at an appropriate age, that, that's not necessarily done in those institutions where people can reach out, and resiliency helps, uh, so I'm 100% on the resiliency piece and, and youth. Right, and Dr. Subter. Well, not to put you on the spot, Andy, but do you have your three wishes? Uh, uh, three wishes. Um, really, the the biggest one that comes to the, this action figure is uh, a clean drug supply. You know, that's right. uh, that's the biggest one. You know, um, if I could have uh, actually had a prescription of uh, morphine, which was uh, which what I was addicted to prior to going on uh, the methadone. It, it it would have been a money saver, right? I wouldn't have had to go out and make those deals on the street or do those immoral things on the street in order to get uh, uh, to buy my prescription off somebody that has a prescription, right? So I, I was fortunate to be able to get a clean supply while I was using. There's enough of it around. That all changed in 2012 when the Oxys, uh, went to OxyNeal. And the government altered it, uh, trying to help. They were uh, sincerely trying to help. So, and that that brought in the fentanyl, I believe. Right. Um, so that's one wish is a clean drug supply. Another wish for mine, for me, it would be to um, for the public to to have a little more sympathy for uh, the the people with sub- substance issues, right, and not look at them as a. Uh, uh, you know, immoral, and and you know, you why don't you just stop, right? You know, You're right. it's because I I couldn't stop. Once I started, I couldn't stop, right? Like, you know, I remember, uh, you know, my really first time. I think I, I used some type of uh, mood altering thing was in grade six. I was right. sniffing black magic markers, right? Right? You know, 
The, the blue ones didn't work. The red ones didn't work. The yellow ones didn't work. Only a, a black one. So I was predispositioned to, be, to become an addict, I believe, at an early age. And it was just activated once I, I altered the mind, right? So maybe, I don't know. And a third wish would be healthy healthy food and exercise for the uh, children at a very young age uh, to implement uh, an exercise curriculum and uh, uh, healthy food. I think because a, a lot of our food supply may be toxic, which allows our, our minds not to develop the way they should. This is my own opinion, remember. And uh, if there's healthy food out there, that I believe that heavy metal contamination could be causing a lot of these um, reasons why a lot of people go... For me, I think it might have been a reason why I might have uh, started seeking relief for that condition mm-hmm. that I had, which I believe... I don't know. It might have been... Because of, I don't know, but all I know, those are my wishes: healthy Great. food, exercise for the children, clean drug supply. Okay, <laughs> over to Alex. Well, just quickly, like I think that um, I think it's great to wait for the politics to come in and sweep and take care of this all. But in a, in, in our community, what what we have is like we have a lot of we have a lot of we have a lot to work with. You know, we have the YMCA, which is a beautiful organization which helps kids. You know, my fear too is for my three children I have under under six. And so like how are we dealing with this issue at their age? And yeah. it's not really being dealt with. Yeah. Um and and so I just like to for us as people that are concerned with this to get involved and just try to Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's just uh, it's just, just it's just so frustrating. It's just yeah. so frustrating. Now, we have just about five or six minutes left, I and I'm going to do something very unfair. I would like to lump two questions together. What has to happen, first of all, to find the money, and what has to change in the political environment to make that happen? So finance and politics of this. Well, money has to come from somewhere, right? <laughs> so I think as a municipality, really, we, we have two ways of getting money well three ways uh one is through taxes which (laughs) you know if i say the word increase everyone just like jumps down my throat there are uh, development charges you know you you get funding through that uh and then grants so we a lot of the money that municipalities use comes from the provincial and federal governments yeah so really those are the the big three ways of doing it i mean you can do fundraisers et cetera, et cetera, but that source of funding is not sustainable uh, it's not reliable so it's not really a good model to use and what needs to happen in a change in the political sphere i think it already is happening at least in peterborough i can't yeah. speak uh, outside of peterborough but i think the fact that every councillor but one was at the opaque summit is is a good signal um i think the fact that we're talking about it i think the fact that our mpp and mp were we're all there yes. now with the upcoming election we'll see what happens after that <laughs> yes. um but i but i agree with alex like 
if you wait for the political will and you know big structure to move and get you there it's going to take too long but so the community itself also needs to step up and see what each individual can do on their own to to help address this issue uh for my part i'll do what i can um but definitely we'll continue to to push for the funds uh to make it happen Great. Now, I mean, to give credit where credit is due, our MPP, Dave Smith, did stand up at Market Hall and gave what, to my ears, was quite a sincere statement about uh, this cuts across party lines, everyone's child is at stake, we've got to save our kids, etc. And yet... It's more than... See, I mean, I, I understood what MPP Smith was trying to say, but a person is a person. A person doesn't need to be related to somebody else in order to matter. It doesn't have to be someone's child. Uh, and that's great that he said that, but let's see him go to Queen's Park and actually advocate for that. And let's see Doug Ford like step up and shell out some money for okay, that. So my, my political question is, barely six months ago, the Ontario Conservatives were against safe consumption sites. What has changed? I, I, I honestly don't know. I can't speak for MPP Smith. I'll let Dr. Salvatore. Well, I think our health minister, Christine Elliott, is a smart woman. And she paid attention to the evidence. And yeah. she uh, understood that safe injection sites are save lives. And that uh, regardless of your politics or your ideology or your, your stigma, that they have to be included as part of our comprehensive strategy. So I, 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 I'm grateful to her that uh, she was able to fight for, for them. I believe they, that we, we, need, we need them. But as I said earlier, we need a comprehensive strategy. It needs to be well-funded by both the provincial and the federal levels of government. Uh, and, uh, and we need government to address the barriers that exist that get in the way, uh, whether they're uh, legislative barriers uh, or policy barriers. Uh, and, uh, and we need government to respond to the evidence. Where, oh, and if we don't have the evidence, they need to support the research that will allow us to find those innovative and effective ways to, uh, to, to really make a difference. Okay, we're down to last words here. Can I just say one thing, though? So. Yeah. The uh, thing about the politics is, like, what confounds me mm-hmm. is that how can you get up and be pro-safe consumption site when your party is, is cutting everything? Like, so much talk in our history of how we've dealt with this is that there's no back, whatever you guys call it, like, there's no web safety net to catch yeah. the fallout from all that's happening. So you get up and you get a safe injection site for Peterborough, but you're getting rid of LGBTQ programs. You're yeah. cutting you're cutting teachers down. You're cutting overdose prevention sites that already yeah. exist in Toronto. So it's like, it's confounding to me. Okay. And with that, any feedback? Send me a note at bill.templeman at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until August 1st, this is Bill Templeman.